0: everybody and welcome to podcast number 36. Today I have with me an autistic non-binary Malaysian comedian. They live in Kuala Lumpur, founder of the comedy club I Laugh KL and also a found, one of the founding members of party comedy Rakya. They're the finalist of Bangkok International Comedy Competition in 2019 and in May 2020 Juliana debuted a one hour virtual medley medley show, Walking on Spectrum at the Adelaide Fringe View, Australia. She, and then that was se- subsequently at the Virtual Fringe New Zealand, Rochester Fringe Festival USA, the Asheville Fringe Festival. Oh, you name it, she's done it. She's been all over the world during uh, the, this pandemic. Um, they are the wonderful Juliana Hang. Welcome, Juliana. Hi, Hi. Hey. Hi Elaine. Oh, this has been so wonderful, and getting the timings right, uh to actually be able to speak <laughs> to you. Thank you so much, because we met just before, in 2019, you came over yes. to the UK, and we yep. had that <laughs> chance meeting where we gigged together, and yeah. you were hilarious, and um, I've followed you since, so, but you weren't always a comedian, you actually studied to be an accountant yep so which seems a long <laughs> way from comedy so yeah why comedy
1: no that's a very good question because uh, well in Asia a lot of us when we study we, we I mean we don't really study what we like we study what pleases the Asian parent you know yeah. so accounting is something that uh, Asian parents love you know. So, of course, we study, but then whether we like it or not, we are not sure. And as someone who is rather academic, to be frank, I can't tell. Yeah, I can't tell because I I, I can study, not a problem. But when it comes to working, that's when I know that, oh, no, what is this? This is terrible. It's just that I don't really know where's the way out that time. It's like, I was like, "I, I don't want to do this for life, you know? Yeah. So so it's like there begins a little process of uh, searching here and there to and somehow takes me quite a long time to actually find find comedy yeah so, so to realize that i don't like accounting is a realization and to realize that
0: i, I want to do comedy is a realization so it takes a bit of a long walk as well yeah and and you set up your own comedy club in kuala lumpur now yeah. is there a lot of comedy in in your area or are you the, the big cheese in, the, in Malaysia? I would say that we are a
1: growing scene because uh, Malaysia is, uh, I would say, it, it is relatively small compared to the scene in, in England. Yeah. Mm. Or also, the, also London, I would say London alone, the scene is bigger than Malaysia combined. <laughs> yeah. so. Yes, Because we only have two comedy clubs. Yeah, two comedy clubs. One is the Crack House Comedy Club. Another is the Joke Factory. But there are a lot of other independent show producers, which I believe uh, Healing Comedy Club is also one of the independent producers where we just, uh, we we decided to do more comedy. So we set up our own, like do our own thing, like rent a place and then we start running. Yeah, So that's what I'm doing in KL. Yeah, I I don't have a physical establishment, which at the moment I'm thankful for because if let's say I really have a physical establishment, the pandemic would be very, very hard on, on me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and all of us who, especially the venue owners, because nobody can come to a comedy show. Yeah. So at least mine is without a physical establishment, so I can decide like, either I don't do it, I mean, don't do anything, it's still fine, or either I can take it virtual. So yeah. for me, it's, I think I love international connection. That means I love having different pe- people from different nationals, to nationality to be on my show. So I think going virtual is a fun thing to do. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I think that is one positive that has come out of the pandemic: that comedy has become more global, and you yep. can travel anywhere that you want to to do comedy without, yes. without it costing anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, no need visa. Ah, yeah, no. I think UK is fine because UK, um, UK, we used to be colonized by the English, so. There's no problem, we can we, with a passport, we can just go in into the United Kingdom for six months. Yeah. And after that we have to go back home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it's comparatively longer compared to United States and all where it's very much shorter when because yeah, we have not much of a not to say we don't have diplomatic ties or what. I mean there are things that are still being working out between my nation with uh with US. So we, we cannot stay that long. And there's a lot of paperwork to complete if I want to get to US so when I do virtual shows in US it is like a kind of like a steal, you know it's like I can just turn on my laptop and hey I'm in New York.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and you openly um, um, promote autism, you've had problems, I I was reading your poem Autumn which Mm. um, I had which was absolutely amazing and people you need to go on youtube and find autumn by juliana Hain because it's so beautiful and i think it made me think because i don't think people really appreciate what all what you go through having autism so would you like to talk about your um how the how your walking on spectrum came about and autism in the comedy world oh
1: that's very 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 awesome so when i first started off uh, comedy, I I used to be quite stuck because I I I mean, I'm been in comedy. This is like third year. I mean, going into fourth year by so my first one and a half year, I'm struggling to find things to talk about. So I I ended up just thinking, okay, this may be audience because when I stay in Malaysia, uh, we hear all kinds of people, uh, saying stuff and also a lot of them they talk about relationship. They talk about um. Uh, things in the bedroom, they talk about all kinds of things, but the, but the only problem is I don't really have much of this, uh, this kind of content because I, I'm a loner, you know, I just like staying at home, playing with my dog, you know, this kind of stuff. So I don't have this kind of topic, so I'm like, okay, let me just follow them blindly, you know, so I ended up making up a lot of uh, stuff that, that don't really matter to me. They, they can be funny, but they don't really matter to me and they also can come across to audience as unreal. So for one and a half years, I'm struggling. I, I hardly get any laughter on stage. And, and, but I, I also don't know why that's the worst thing, you know. So you, I still think that I'm funny in spite of bombing, you know. So, so that is quite awful. But it takes me a bit of a while, and then some of the comedians start uh, chatting with me like, like what's up? Why you seem to be the person who is like always, always happy you know, in life? You know? and, and being a very happy person on stage is not very relatable to the audience, to be frank so till so I was like no no that's not true I'm, I'm not really that happy I'm from a dysfunctional family uh, I'm on the spectrum and I'm also queer you know that kind of stuff so I find it very hard to fit in especially in a East Asian a Southeast Asian society in Malaysia and they were like why didn't you say all this stuff on stage this is, this is so weird you know so interesting and why didn't you say anything you're saying stuff about how interesting your dates are when we clearly look at you we don't we don't see you as a person who who does that, you know, so the audience can sense that if we can also see that. So for me, it's like, oh, okay, so that means it talks about, so comedy is all about being real, but unfortunately it takes me one and a half years to realize that it's a very long time. But I'm glad I didn't give up because at any point of time I could have given up because uh, bombing on stage can be quite an awful experience and also awkward, yeah. But for me, it's, I, I didn't. I just, think yeah, yeah, yeah you know, every week I get to go on stage, yeah. Maybe my love of stage actually encouraged me to go that far, yeah. So I started digging into my, my life to find out. I mean, of course, it started off quite rough. I talked about, about my dysfunctional family, but it wasn't funny because I, I have some, like, dark humour in it. like that. And I don't have the skill to write those kind of stuff, like, about how my mom and my also so sometimes the audience was as shocked but comedians they actually like surprised they're like, hey we kind of like that content because we see there is a lot of truism in what you say but you may need to learn how to write write jokes first I mean start from writing jokes about things that are real in your life and eventually you you can move into dark comedy when, when you are more experienced and also I was like thinking about when I talk about autism it also takes me a while before I uh, I come to that topic But for me, that time I was like, how did I actually started speaking about autism is because I have been performing on stage for a while, but I realized that I, I mean, I don't really know what the audience want. I cannot read their body language, fish and all. And this is actually mentioned to by a comedian to me because he was always taking notes at the back. And then he asked me, he said, "Do do you actually know what the audience are feeling about your stuff? Like how, how are they responding to your, and then I said, to be honest, no. And you see, uh, that is the problem because a lot of comedians, the moment they know that things are not landing on stage, they are able to tweak it immediately or at least change topic or, or just run off. But you seem to be having a script for that day and you just go like a train, you know, you just go follow all the way through without even evaluating the, the stage, the audience in front of you. And for me, it's like, yeah, I, I, I can't, I don't really know what they want. And it is true until today also, I cannot tell. It's like on stage and all, oh, I can't tell. And... He said that uh, you might need to just just check to see whether you could be on the spectrum, you know. And, but this term on the spectrum is not new to me because when I was working in accountancy, um, I also struggle a lot. I struggle a lot when it comes to instructions. Like people give me verbal instructions. My boss gives me like instructions to get something done. And I will miss a few instructions. Ended up, the work is very far away from what they want, you know. So... And of course, they get upset and all. And then also, when it comes to gelling with my colleagues, a lot of times uh, my, my boss will say that uh, you have been here with us for almost two years, but why why aren't you mixing well with your seniors, your whatever? There is an intern who is here for only two weeks and they are best friends with the department. You know, it's like um the time she's like saying that, and you also tend to be someone you are not dumb, you are pretty smart, you know, that's why I hired you. but. The way you do things, you seem to be like, you're, you're just processing, you don't really, like, the way you think is different. I mean, I mean, she didn't say that of her, but she said that it's as though you're a robot. Mm-hmm. So maybe you need to look for a job that is, of course, it hurts. And then um, she also pointed out that maybe you are on the spectrum. But to me, that was an offensive comment that time, because I, I myself don't know much about that time. So I think that it is like Rain Man, you know, that kind of stuff where where you just like, sit there and then your pa- your brother has to take care of you and then also uh, you can count match take 246 on the floor, you know, those kind of stuff. So I said, oh my God, you know this is such a, a humiliation, you know, my boss was humiliating me, you know, that kind of stuff. So I was angry, but I mean, I I quit a year later from that company and I move on with life. But few years later, as I was doing comedy, which is like five years after uh, what uh, my boss told me, it, it kind of like okay, so I said that if it is mentioned to me like the second time and all, that means it is not an accident. Somebody different, different people from different scene. One is from that, and then another. I also worked in a training company at, for for part time, and the, the trainer was angry one day. She was just angry and she just said uh, she just threw my files at me and. Uh, hey, do you have Asperger's syndrome? You know that kind of stuff. And but it is it is offensive to me that time as well because I I I find out and I say no, I don't think I'm that kind of person. So I was still mad and I didn't want to find out more. And the third time was in the comedy scene when someone pointed out, I think you may be on the spectrum. So the time it dawned on me that three pe- three different people from different fields they are telling me the same thing. So I think it is worth to to have a look. So I actually went to a uh, center where i mean they are having this uh, free autism diagnosis center uh in a shopping mall and i just sent them an email say, uh, do you do diagnosis for adults as well and they say we don't do diagnosis for adults but uh, i think you can stop by you know so i just went in and then and talked to the to the therapist in charge and then chat with her about and then she asked me a couple of questions and she said that um, they say that based on what you told me, you, you are definitely on the spectrum, you have Asperger's syndrome. It's just that uh, I don't want to, to give the diagnosis or what because I'm not a doctor. So it would be great if you can see a doctor. But for me, it's, I'm not ready to see a doctor that time because, well, I mean, it's not cheap to actually get a diner in government hospital, the week can be very, very long. And especially when you're just seeking a diagnosis, you are not really, it's not an emergency take much longer. So that time I said, uh, it's all right, let me just figure out my way. So I start reading up extensively on autism and, and understand it. And I and I found so much of answers uh, in my life, like, oh, so this actually happened even in my past, not just at work, in my past interactions with people. I was like, oh, so it, it jives. And why do I feel uncomfortable in some things? Like, let's say there is too much of a loud noise and bright lights. Why do I feel like, uncomfortable? And I actually found a lot of answers, so I was like, "Wow, I mean, this is great." And through there, uh, but unfortunately, that time I do thought of creating comedy because I was like thinking, "Oh no, you know, if let's say I'm going to at this rate, I'm going, uh, I don't think I will be." I mean, compared to the rest of them, I can be working very, very hard, but I will never be as good. So that time I was a bit sad, and I went into poetry. Yeah, so I just went into poetry for a short time. And then they say okay write something about your life you know the kind of stuff and then and uh, one good thing about poetry is uh, you don't need to be funny so you can be as sad as you want as angry as you want or or any emotions that you're feeling so that time i just sit down and and i write that's how i written autumn yeah uh-huh. so i write a lot and it drills down deep a lot into my life a lot of life things and that's when I was like, hey, this is interesting. It's like, why didn't I talk about this on comedy before? So, I actually, what I did for Autumn is to to write it as so the poetry actually kind of like become a setup, and I just need to look for the punchline, you know. So, that is how I, I come about. Uh, I mean, it's kind of intertwined. That means I don't really, I mean, what happened from Autumn actually leads me to come back to comedy. Yeah, that is very interesting. Yeah, so that's how I do. Uh, autumn, I mean, and also uh, about my autism, but uh, last year I do decided to get my, my autism diagnosis because it is always good to have it validated by a professional rather than to just like going on an assumption mode, you know. And yeah, so my doctor is like saying that, yes, you definitely have traits of being on the spectrum because at first when they look at me, they think that I'm too normal. Yeah, I look very normal to be on the spectrum and they just said, can you give me a bit of the time? I just need to maybe run through your video, your comedy video on YouTube, you know, that kind of stuff. And I say, sure. And the next appointment, I came back and the doctor said that, yeah, I can see that you have a very strong autistic trait, especially when you're on stage. It's very apparent because uh, Malaysians actually have sufficient exposure to comedy. They have seen enough comedians in action. And one thing that differentiates me between them is my, spont- my lack of spontaneity. So they can see that I am... It's as though I really, I mean, the jokes are good, don't get uh, they 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 didn't get that wrong. It's like the jokes are good, but they can see that I, I learned something and just perform on stage. I did not like that, really. It's not like a real time, they don't feel that it's real time. They feel that it is like, yes, this person is like a theater actor, but in a comedy way, you know, uh-huh. that kind of stuff. So it's pretty interesting, but still because they say that my kind of spectrum is pretty rare, so they will still need to continue to do some research on it before they can actually like formally give me a diagnosis, yeah, huh. and speaking about walking on spectrum, that is how that's in, interesting, it happens during the pandemic, yeah, because that time, well, we are all stuck at home, and there's nothing to do, and uh, the time virtual comedy kind of just started up a bit, so I've been performing for a while, and I realized that, okay, I mean, I, I saw this uh, Adelaide fringe uh, pop up in my window, yeah, well, I mean, uh, all this, what, what they call this, AI, they are pretty smart, they know that, uh, because that time I thought of going to Edinburgh Fringe uh, in August 2020, but unfortunately, nothing worked out because we we cannot even get out of the country and Edinburgh Fringe was subsequent. So, that time, I'm like, okay, you know, now, uh, but somehow because uh, I think think this AI stuff, they can really read us well, so they come up, Adelaide Fringe, poop, pop up, and I click, you know, I click and see, okay, why is this Adelaide Fringe about? This is very interesting, and I realised that, oh, okay, so it is you can produce any show because we want to encourage you all to curate content, uh, regardless of the pandemic situation. So uh, feel free to create the content and uh, all entry fee have been waived. That is the big thing, you know, I was, I'm Chinese and I see it, mm, you know, free. Are you sure? You know, so I just apply I say, okay. But the time I don't have the content yet. I will be frank. I don't have the con- content solidly yet. I say, okay, I nailed down the title. I already start tying up. Yes, awesome. I'm signing up for a fringe show, you know. And I think Walking on Spectrum, because uh, that title is like, because, well, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm kind of like on the multiple spectrum. I'm not just on the autism spectrum. I'm also non-binary. So uh, that's technically on the gender spectrum as well. And also the last spectrum is actually the emotions that I'm having. I'm also having a very wide spectrum of yeah a lot of people only see one side of my emotion which is like that but I, yeah I, but that's <laughs> a lot yeah
0: you're truly inspirational though and I think you a lot of there are I have met comedians on on the spectrum who don't say anything and you're out there and you're like proud of it you know? <laughs> I think that is, that is brilliant yeah why are you for your ability to actually say Hey, this is me. Like it or not, I. this is me. You are funny. <laughs> yeah. I've heard you. I've heard you be funny. But you've recently learned Mandarin. You know five, is it five different languages you're fluent in? Uh, I would say that it's five because the last one is
1: considered, uh, I mean, it's me singing, you know, so I wouldn't really want to consider, I don't know where the five come from actually, but somebody was so excited and then they just add in the one for me. And I was like, yeah, so I say I think the, the, the language that I'm currently doing is, uh, I started comedy in uh, English, yeah, and after that, uh, subsequently, because for television purpose, well, in Malaysia, they usually produce content in the national language. So I have to perform in uh, Malay. So I started translating all my English work into, it. and after that, uh, Chinese. There's this girl called Qin Wan. Yeah, she she's from I think she, uh, cannot remember. She's from Xian, Xian, China, and she's actually based in London. Yeah, so she's like, okay, I think in this pandemic, let's uh, let's reunite all the Mandarin speakers across the globe. You know, so I was like, it is pretty cool, you know, because I do speak Mandarin. It's just that I haven't done comedy in Mandarin properly. So I say it's okay, let's do the same thing. Let's translate my set, you know, translate it into Mandarin. It sounded a bit awkward because I'm not a native speaker. I'm not from uh, China, where in Malaysia, the way we speak Mandarin is very different from the way we, they speak Mandarin in, in China. So certain things may not turn out well for them. Let me why is this, what, what, what is she talking about? <laughs> Although it is, it is Chinese word, they can, they listen to it, but they don't get the meaning because of the, of the variation in the image itself. So that is number three. So and then I have performed in my dialect uh, Hokkien. So Hokkien is a branch of Chinese language, but it um, it's different. It sounded very different structurally. I think it's similar, but the words are all different. So uh, it's a dialect of northern Malaysia. Yeah. And the fifth one is uh, if let's say they count my singing. So I sing in the, sometimes I sing in the Hindi, you know, just for the fun of it in my sets. So if let's say you count that, that is five languages. La. But in that case, if let's say you want to count singing languages, I can also include Japanese and Korean. I sing Japanese and Korean songs sometimes. So <laughs> I was like, okay, so that means I'm kind of like a polyglot, you know. But I, don't, I did not really, to be frank, I'm not really a master in, in most of the language. I mean, I can speak, but if let's say we want to say like, are you of a broadcasting standard, you know, like, you know, broadcasting standard where the Mandarin is really precise, the BM wow. Malay is precise. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not that kind of precision unless I I have to still go through the hard work of making them very precise. But if I say you say communicating, no problem at all. Yeah, I can communicate in uh, in four languages solidly. And the singing one, no, like, I don't understand. I just sing only that. I don't understand the language. Yeah. <laughs> I just read the romanized version. Ah. Hey, give me the romanized version. Ah. Then I can just, ah, you know, then yeah, it, it counts already, you know. Yeah. But those native speakers, they will know, hey, she has almost all the pronunciation wrong, you know. But people who don't know the language,
0: oh, it sounded awesome. You know how <laughs> sing in Japanese. You know how sing in Korea. You know, it's like, yeah. And and your dog, your dog is now your companion. Your, your your dog did you am i right in thinking that you found the dog or the dog found you during the pandemic was it a stray oh, or... it's actually not a stray it belongs to another tenant downstairs yeah so
1: ah. my 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 housemate i mean okay we in malaysia there's something called there's a concept called townhouse where they can be two families staying, but they never meet each other so the, the family downstairs they wear this yeah, this dog but unfortunately, they are they, they actually put him in a cage because they are restaurant owners in Malaysia. They are busy. That means early morning they go out to work. At night they will go back home. You know, after like midnight only they reach home. So they don't know what to do with the dog. So they say, "Oh, okay lah, never mind. We just put him in the cage and see see what what happened lah." And then we will feed him on time. You know, and but the thing is, when my when my housemate first moved here, I moved after her actually. So when she first moved here, she saw the dog and she's like, oh my God, the dog is in a cage. You know, he's a big boy and all, but then he's sitting down in a cage that is like, I think only two times his size. So he just turned one round, he's already at his spot again. Yeah. And the time she was like, I, I, I look at the dog. He looks quite handsome and he's so quiet, you know. And and then we all, I was like, hey, why is he there? And say the owner actually caged him up, you know, the girl was that, and she's like, great, because my housemate is very spiritual. She believes in the law of attraction. Giving positive white. So she's like Always giving the dog image he will be free He will be awesome You know And she also tell me that uh Juliana uh, We are The dog is going to stay with us uh, Not too long You know He's going to be with us And all But believe me or not That time I was terrified Because I was still terrified of dogs So like Because dogs are pretty I mean when they stand up They are, they are my, my height I'm not a very big person So when they stand up They are like my height So I'm um, And when they bark I was like Ah you know, so, so that's why I'm afraid of dogs So I'm not too keen On the idea When she said Okay Juliana um, This dog ah, when, I mean In a while He'll be staying with us He'll be walking around the house And enjoying with us You know I, I don't I, I, I don't like it I was like mm, You know Why is a dog In our house You know But then after that um, Somehow she also like, Conditioned me When, when the ho- landlord Actually not landlord When the tenant Downstairs They told us They say uh, Ask my housemate You want the dog ah then she said, yeah, yeah, I want the dog. and um, But the dog is so used to stay in the cage, it's very hard to bring him upstairs with us. So that time, my housemate have to like, let him out, go out for his evening walk uh, by himself. And then the time my, when she comes back home, my housemate will sort of like condition me, like ask the dog to smell me, sniff me. Mm-hmm. And then also like, let me get comfortable, so I'm not so nervous with him, and then like pet him here and there, you know, and um, I mean, it is fine, I mean, I get a bit more comfortable with him, I'm not so afraid of him anymore, and then after that, I, I, I took a trip, I fly to UK, and the thing is, UK, uh, you all love dogs, like, man, I noticed that everywhere on the train, there's dogs, in the, in, on the roadside, cross the road, in the parks, all dogs, you know, and every house that I stayed that time, like, uh, I actually stayed, I think, like, three, I mean two houses, I I stayed there and then I realised that all the houses that I stayed have dogs and then on Christmas day, they bring their dogs together, you know, it's like, I was like, I'm glad that at least my housemate conditioned me a bit with dogs because Mm -hmm. if not, I will be freaked out, man, dogs are everywhere in UK, I was like, oh my god, it's like in the train, everywhere, you know, they're walking among us, you know, so I'm like, okay, I think that is where I actually elevate the fear, The, the fear of the dog is like eliminated after the UK trip, so... I have to be thankful about the how UK people love dogs. Because they are so well behaved. The dogs there are like, wow, you know, it's like it's like and there's no stray dogs. Everyone, the dogs are all being taken care of. If they say they are stray, they'll be sent off for, mm. to a foster to be for, to a foster home and all. So I was like, Oh, that's wonderful. So when I come back and unfortunately the lockdown happened <laughs> and my and my housemate decided to, to train the dog, like she said, hmm, I think I'm also working from home. Let me see whether can I uh toilet train this you know so she eventually bring him up I mean we have to lure him out he loves the cage where right? he has been staying there for three years uh-huh. so he has to like we have to actually like bring give him treats you know to get him out of the cage <laughs> and the moment he's out and until the house we close the door Ha! and then he's like <laughs> you know yeah but he adapted very quickly la. so eventually he's like walking around in the house and then like one year later he even started like because at one point, he used to be very quiet, but nowadays, he walk the a lot, he's like, uh, uh, you know, he does that, and then he barks very loudly as well. So we are like, quiet boy, you know, that kind of stuff. Nowadays, he's very boisterous. So, yeah, and, and then it's very interesting. So I say that during the lockdown, I mean, just seeing him around, it is just a lot of uh, from us, because well we all have it, regardless of uh, what level are we at, we cannot be, we can be mildly affected or severely affected by the pandemic, but but having the dog uh,
0: looking at the dog and all it it helps is, is that up. Yeah. So we'll be getting lots of jokes in the future about living with a dog. Yeah. He's so, adorable. Uh, Juliana, what have you got lined up for the future? What are you are you hoping maybe maybe Edinburgh 2022? Yeah, I, I plan to do that actually because I'm not sure about this year, because this year things
1: are still very rocky. You know, it's like and also, we are not sure whether what is the efficacy of the vaccine being Like Because from what I heard, uh, some of the vaccine only work for a few months and you have to retake, or either it doesn't really help prevent the virus, it just helps you able to fight it. So technically, people are still need to be taking a lot of precautions. So for me, it's like I say, hopefully by 2022, I'm able to, to sort of bring walking on spectrum over Edinburgh bridge. Yeah. Really? And then, um, it will be nice, I mean, it's like, and also, I also want to enjoy myself at the fridge, so I, I, I'm not sure, but that's what I'm thinking, whether do I want to do it a full run, or I just want to do it a half run, and the other two weeks is go and network with the other comedians, forwards, other artists, because you, because I noticed that uh, a lot of my seniors who went to, um, I mean, when you run your own show, you have to do your own flyering and all, and and then also And you don't want To tire yourself out Especially when it's Your first outing You know So sometimes You might want to Like like ease it a bit Like maybe say Okay do it Like a half run You know Or just a 10 day run And then the rest Is for you to enjoy Edinburgh Yeah, yeah. Just to see people Enjoy the festivity uh, Although I'm not sure How the festivity Will be Because that was In the old times When, when my seniors Were there Enjoying their life <laughs> They were all enjoying <laughs> And they said That it's awesome You know The kind of stuff And then But now with the with the pandemic and all, and then I'm not sure what is Edinburgh Finch direction as well. Because if they have virtual, of course I will also do virtual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like it's 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 easier. I mean, because uh, logically, I mean financially, I'm I'm still not up to go for to Edinburgh for a long time. That means if I go, also it is only a few days. And but when you fly half a half of a globe to another part of the world. You don't want to just do like one week, you want to do a month. So for me, it's, I just, I want to be there for at least a month to just look at Edinburgh as a city, you know, and, and then also explore the place and then the people, you know. So for me, I don't really fancy like, uh, that's why, you know, when all the tour companies, they have all kinds of travels where you can go to 10 places in 10 days, you know, those kind <laughs> of stuff. I, I'm not really into them because for me, it's like, no, because I, I just stand there, stay in the hotel overnight, just take a few photos and I'm off to another city. I prefer to like stay in a city for an extended period of time. That means even even if it's ten days, that means London for ten days, I'm also happy happier than going to ten places. Yeah. Okay. Because at least I can firstly get adapted. Yeah. Get adapted to the place. Second thing is also to enjoy what the place has to offer. Yeah. Rather than to rush through and you don't even feel anything. And I also managed to use the train train system in London. And train is actually my favorite thing. I like I like studying train in every country that I go. Ah. So like yeah, in Malaysia. And then when I'm in Singapore, I'm like, hmm, okay. I look at the train structure. Takes me like one one day and then I'm like be familiar. And then Bangkok, I also went and then I also learned the train structure as well. Taiwan and then a few just to understand how they are, which stations they, they go to and then how we can get to, to places. London is very interesting. The train is a bit tricky. It takes me a while to, to figure out how to use it in a week. Yeah, it's a bit long <laughs> because I noticed that there are so many the stations intertwine. That means you cannot like, oh, I'm tired. Let me just sleep. You know, sleep, and then you miss your station. You know, no joke. It's like it's like after every three. I mean, you have to change at least two to three lines to get to a particular place, and it is. And for me, is I thought that the time I thought that uh, there's this place called uh, Victoria, and there's another place called uh, Charing Cross. If I'm not wrong, there are two places. Yeah, so I thought that uh, they are the same place. That's the worst thing. That's the worst thing. So I said, yes, let's get to London Bridge. And uh, I thought London Bridge and Victoria are the same place that time. So I, I said, okay, now let's go to Victoria. And then good luck. Actually, the place that I go for the first day is, uh, I think that place is King's Arm. And King's Arm at the, the borough. It's like, oh, yeah, run by run by this guy called Louis, Louis Sheffer, yeah. He's a New Yorker who is actually based in London. So the time I'm supposed to get there, like hey, you know, it's only like for my house. It's like we take a train. I'm supposed to reach there like very quickly, like within half an hour. I should be there, but good luck because I take the wrong track. I ended up have to take a long track, so I reached about an hour later. So it's like no, it's like there's only like after London Bridge. There's only one station away from London Bridge. That's um, Borough. Yeah, so. It's only one station away, but because I take the wrong track, I ended up having to take like another, yeah, another five to six station just to reach back the the original place. So I'm like, oh. yeah, and then it's cold with winter, and I've never experienced the winter in my life before until I come to UK, and it's kind of like a culture shock as well. That time I remembered that when I wake up, you know, it's like 10am in the morning, you know, like just there's all jet lag and all when you reach there on the first day. And I'm like, okay, pretty cool. You know, I walk around. But when I say, okay, open mic is 8 o'clock. Uh, 8 o'clock then, uh, I mean 7 o'clock. Uh, I think by, by 6 o'clock, I need to get there. So I say, now my, let me take a nap until like 3 o'clock, you know, here and there. Because I was, the time when I reached, I straight away catch a cold. Yeah, I catch a cold on that day. So because it's very cold. It's like compared to Malaysia. Malaysia is always hot and humid. Yeah. And this is winter. So it's the opposite weather. So my body is also taking time to get used to it. Then I say, now let me nap first. And then I woke up, uh, it's already 3 p.m. And then I say, Oh my God, 3 p.m., but everywhere, but it's outside, it's dark, you know. It's already <laughs> dark at 3 p.m. I was like, ah, where is this place? Why is it dark at 3 p.m., you know? And after that, uh, only I realized, Oh, it's winter. That's why the, the day is shorter in, in London during winter. So I was like, Oh crap, you know. So next time, if I want to go for a holiday, I also wanted to travel to a few places in, in London. So I say I have to make sure that all my photography all done before like three o'clock. If not, it's all black already, (laughs) all dark. Yeah. Definitely come in the. That's interesting. Definitely come summertime. Yeah, I I want to come to summer. I mean, I think that's when Edinburgh is having their their shows too. All in summer, where people
0: are happy and can
1: gather, and it's not as cold, you know. Yeah.
0: So I'm gonna finish the podcast now. Stay on the line, and we we can carry on talking. And it's been absolutely wonderful everybody out there who follow her on facebook instagram and she's on lots of live shows so give her a listen tune in and listen to her take care everybody thank you for listening thank you juliana it's been a real pleasure thank you thank you